From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. A high wind warning is in effect today for parts of southeast. Here's National Weather Service meteorologist Grant Smith. A high wind warning that's going to be in effect at 3 a.m. to 9 p.m. for Skagway and downtown Juneau. Now, if you are not in those areas, we're still going to be seeing some strong northerly winds, just not up to the threshold of 60 to 70 miles per hour. Smith explained the pattern coming for northern southeast. The overall weather pattern, what we're expecting, uh, high pressure over northern Alaska will move to the east-southeast, just to the north of the panhandle. And that pattern usually brings uh, northerly winds through the uh, panhandle area. This particular time, it's going to be bringing in some very strong winds, and those strong winds are going to be bringing in some very cold air in the middle of the week. In fact, highs on Tuesday and Wednesday for the south, uh, Petersburg, a high of 15 degrees. Wrangell, the highs near 20 degrees for both Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, the Prince of Wales Island, highs will be generally in the 20s. And then for the north, very similar story with highs in the teens and 20s. Gustavus, Huno, uh, Huna, and highs near 20s. Uh, Juno, highs will be in the upper teens. Very cold air sitting in place. He forecasts the overnights with record lows. In the overnight lows for Tuesday night and Wednesday night, uh, overnight lows will be in the single digits and teens, which is actually near record low temperatures. So we have near record low temperatures in the forecast for the middle of the week. So your five-day outlook, uh, minor impacts at the start of the five-day, and then as that high pressure weakens and moves to the uh, southeast into British Columbia, uh, the winds will lighten up and temperatures will warm up just a little bit, uh, so the impacts will be little to none. That's meteorologist Grant Smith. Occupants of a house that was on fire yesterday morning are safe. The fire was on Radcliffe Road, and upon arrival at about 6 yesterday morning, fire personnel found heavy fire involvement in the attic space of a two-story single-family dwelling. The occupants of the structure safely evacuated prior to the fire personnel arriving. A fire and origin cause investigation was conducted and the fire was determined to have started on the exterior of the home. The main electrical panel and meter were destroyed in the fire. The fire traveled vertically to the south side gable end of the home and entered the attic space where the fire continued through the entire length of the attic. The occupants had stated that a smoke alarm had been activated in the basement area, but it was unclear where the smoke was coming from. Shortly after, a neighbor who had been walking their dog advised the occupants that the house was on fire. The structure sustained significant fire damage in the attic space, CCFR said, and heavy water damage throughout the rest of the structure. The Juno Assembly, meeting as the Public Works and Facilities Committee Monday, talked about City Hall. After the failed bond proposal during this year's municipal election, the question before the committee was, what now? The city had put aside $6 million in funding in the case that it did pass. With the funds that the Assembly had uh, provided for the new City Hall project, one option could be to start essentially scoping out um, and phasing what sort of uh, improvements are needed and how much cost for, for this building. Deputy Public Works Director Denise Koch says repairing the current hall is an option. We've talked about an estimate of a, approximately $12 million uh, but what this would, what her, her proposed option would be is to, to really start to get 
uh, a little bit more in the details, a little bit more in the weeds and sort of scoping out particular projects and phases that uh, a project might be, uh, the, the way that the project could be executed and the, uh, get a better sense of the cost and then be able to come to the assembly for those costs. Another move Koch offered was to take public input about the concerns with the new hall proposal. Essentially going back to the public uh, and trying to get a better understanding of, of what the concerns were that the public had with the project, um, ranging from anything from talking about the location again, talking about cost, was the cost too expensive, were there things that, that, that the public would like to see done differently. Assemblymember Carol Treem said she felt satisfied staff prepared on the Whittier location and says she does not feel like location was the problem. My sense is that's not one of the influencing factors. Um, I, I think maybe we focus on outreach and education, and I would say I, when we, the Assembly decided whether or not we wanted to allow CBJ to use resources on that, and we voted against that. And I was one of those, and I regret that. And I think it got um, muddled with other political issues that were just happening at the same time. So I think we should try that strategy again. Assemblymember Michelle Hale asked for more information on repairing the current hall. I would be interested in finding out uh, are there minimal repairs that we could do this year on this facility, which is the one that needs repairs, so we don't just dump $12 million into it, but we limp along for another year. That'd be good to know. No action was taken during the meeting. Meanwhile, the Assembly will get its first brush of the budget season this week. Mayor Beth Weldon talked about that on Action Line. The very first part of it will be this Wednesday, and it's, but it's the very first step. Our finance director, Jeff Rogers, will present us information, um, specifically the last quarter of sales tax, which I think was pretty strong. And then that will lead us into our retreat on the 11th. And um, from there, we will be deciding as a body which direction we should give to the staff on whether we hold the line, whether we try and cut um, whether we have to add. She explained what will happen between now and March when work will ramp up. The departments are going through their budgets right now. They have to have them done by the first part of January. And then our budget cycle, then the city manager kind of compiles everything together with our direction. Well, he's giving direction to the department heads right now, but our formal process doesn't start till March. So just the first talk of budget and then we'll start talking in earnest in March about budget, budget, budget. And that's when we have budget meetings every week. Also, the city has signed contracts with its three unions. We have finally settled with our three unions, uh, MEBA, PSEA, and IFF. And uh, their first year, they get a 5.5% increase. And um, they all do a great job for the city, but we're not rewarding them necessarily for that great job. We're just trying to keep up with inflation and make sure that we're um, uh, competing well with the workforce right, or for the job uh, market right now because we want to retain our workers. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon. In Sitka, a vessel near three entrance bay and left two injured and one deceased. We'll have more after the break. You're listening to News of the North. 
Sitka police report that a vessel capsized near three entrance bays Sunday morning and left two men injured and one woman dead. Police report Sunday at about 8.25 in the morning, the department received a 911 call regarding a capsized boat in the keyhole by three entrance bay. Police's emergency response vessel, which was already underway to a different incident, was rerouted and arrived on scene that morning at 9 o'clock. A Good Samaritan vessel in the area, who had witnessed the boat capsize, was able to retrieve two males from the water, who were then transferred to the vessel and to Mount Edgecombe Medical Center with injuries. The United States Coast Guard Hilo was also deployed to the scene. The rescue swimmer retrieved one woman from inside the capsized vessel, 51-year-old Deanna Moore who was transported to Mount Edgecombe, where she was later pronounced deceased. According to police, witness accounts states the vessel had been hit by a wave, pushing it into a rock where another wave overtook the vessel, further pushing it into the rocks and shore, sinking the back end of the vessel. Incoming State Senate President Gary Stevens fielded questions from reporters following the announcement that there will be a bipartisan majority coalition in the Alaska Senate. Stevens is a Republican from Kodiak and is returning to the role he had held from 2009 to 2012. The PFD is an open question in the caucus, as Stevens explained. The dividend is a big issue. Uh, it's it's uh, caused so many problems in the past. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a big issue again this year. Uh, I think uh, clearly I can say that uh, we want to have the biggest dividend we possibly can. Um, there's a difference of opinion in our caucus on the dividend, so it's, uh, it's imperative that we work together and find common ground. The 17-member caucus includes Democrats and Republicans, leaving three members of the 20-member chamber in the minority. Those members are Senator Mike Schauer of Wasilla, Senator Shelley Hughes of Palmer, and Senator Robert Myers of North Pole. We, we've established a, a very, very broad um, caucus. I mean, that represents uh, rural Alaska. Uh, it has native leaders. It represents urban Alaska. It represents um, really uh, 70 people. We, 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 cover the, we cover the state. So uh, you're right. Um, the three people were left out. And uh, these were the people who voted against the budget in the past. We found it difficult to work with. I found it difficult to work with. They're good people, and I honor them and, and respect them. And we will do our very best to, uh, to bring them into, um, into the legislature. You know, they, they will be full members of the legislature. They will uh, be respected as senators. Uh, my intention is to ask each of them to serve on a standing committee so they will play a role, uh, be a part of everything, So as much as they want to be. Stevens said they are hoping to meet with the governor early next year. I have talked with the governor's uh, chief of staff and asked him to meet with us. Uh, we will have a retreat in January where we have a chance to really work on what our goals are and what we want to accomplish. But I, I really hope the governor will be uh, amenable to uh, meeting with us, uh, honestly, talking about issues that he's concerned about, uh, talking about his budget. Um, you know, it's been a tough last four years uh, for this administration. I'm not sure exactly what to expect in the next four years, but the governor has been very 
helpful when it came to uh, the reading bill. Uh, that, that was a joint effort, and I, uh, I hope that we can uh, work very closely with them. Our job as a, a leadership will be to work with not only the governor, but also um, with the uh, House leadership as well, once we know who that is. The 40th annual Juno Public Market came to a close Sunday night. We spoke with Peter Metcalf, owner and founder of Juno Public Market, who summarized the weekend's festivities. We started out with a huge bang on Friday. There was just a line that was wrapping around the building, and we tried to get people in as quickly as possible because it was pretty wet. Today, it's a beautiful day, Sunday. I think that we've had as strong a presence as any market on a Sunday. It's really steady business for the vendors, and i got to say, I've never heard so many compliments about Juno from vendors. They just love coming to Juno for the show, and they're, they're doing really well. A bunch of them are selling out. This year, there were about 160 vendors total, 60 from out of town and 55 never before at public market. And this year we had people from all over the United States, East Coast, Midwest, West Coast, and throughout Alaska. They're really amazingly creative group of vendors this year. He compared this year's public market to previous years. In terms of the numbers of people who came out, it's a little bit down from 2018, 2019. I think the vendors have done better this year than ever before. Overall, I mean, if public markets were only this busy, I'd be thoroughly satisfied <laughs> because it's been very busy few days. But our high moder- watermarks for some years to come will probably be 2018, 2019 and said what he discovered about public market after fully bringing it back post-pandemic. One of the things that became apparent to me when pandemic shut down the public market, we did a virtual market. That was successful for the vendors, but it made me realize what is special about the public market. It's first and foremost a social event. Secondarily, it's a retail holiday. The people meeting the vendors who are making the product. And Juno Dance Theater will be presenting the Nutcrackers starting this weekend on Friday at the Juno Douglas High School Auditorium. Executive Director Bridget Luhans talked about the production while on Capitol Chat with Dano. We have Friday night uh, and Saturday night shows at 7 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday matinees at 2 p.m. Yay, lots so of opportunities. Four chances, and it is reserved seating. I recommend you go online, uh, junodance.org, to get your tickets. Um, we have found um, patrons really like having the reserved seating option, so you can go on and choose your seats. There will be tickets available at the door. And talked about the guest performers. We have Elizabeth Murphy, who's a principal dancer with Pacific Northwest Ballet, and she is returning as our Sugar Plum Fairy, was here also in 2019, and she's taught for us at Summer Intensive. So we have struck a wonderful relationship with Elizabeth. We love having her in Juno, and she's thrilled to be coming back. And she'll be re- uh, bringing partner Zachary Catazaro with her this year. He is a principal dancer with Cleveland Ballet and a formal principal dancer with uh, New York City Ballet. Bridget Lujan of Juno Dance Theater. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.